With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down. You beautiful people. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face covering Pac-12. Not Pac-12, Rob. What are we talking about? We're covering Arizona. We're, we're, I'm, I'm in 12-pack radio mode, and this is not 12-pack radio. This is Wildcat Radio, and we are back. We missed you. We missed you guys. We're going to cover the Paul Rhodes hire and maybe a little bit of recruiting here and... I am joined, uh, as always, as the co-host of 12 Pack Radio, the Grand Wizard Guru Mastermind of the Beta Rank College Football Advanced Statistical Model, that if you're not reading right now, what are you doing with your life? What's going on, Mr. Rob Barron? You, you could also be watching Kent State and, uh, you know, p- pulling for them, I guess you could say, as, they, uh, as they're ahead by seven over Utah State. A Utah State team that was favored by seven, not it, in Beta Rank, though. Not in Beta Rank. Beta Rank had Kent State favored by three. Uh, we'll find out by the end of this podcast where we're at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you can follow the podcast for free on Twitter, uh, at Wildcat Radio AZ. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, all of that stuff. And if you share this podcast or if you share uh, Adam and Brett's podcast that happened this week, or if you share Saul Bookman's podcast, we are doing a Wildcat Radio and 12-pack radio bull pool. And the winner wins a gift certificate to Vivid Seats so that you can use that for your next show, game, or basketball game. And we'll talk about that in just a second, Rob. But um, let, let's just get down and dirty here. Arizona took forever to get a, a defensive coordinator, which led us to believe that this was somebody that was either playing um, that, that was going to be a coordinator in a bowl game or was already tied to another program. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, RKO out of nowhere, Mr. Paul Rhodes. What do you think? Given everyone that I guess it sort of could have been, I mean, in some of the names that were sort of kicked around, I would say like two weeks ago, even um, this is this is a very good hire. I mean, compared to, like, this is not, I mean, Arizona is obviously not, you know, weird. We're not in, like, they did not just announce Dave Aranda as the new <laughs> defensive coordinator of Arizona. Um, so one day, not, one day, you know, Rob. Right. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, we're not we're not paying somebody $2 million to coordinate the defense. But Paul Rhodes was a guy that when uh, Chip Kelly added him to his staff, I, I thought that was a really good ad. And I thought it was a sign that Kelly was putting together a, a a pretty deep staff that he could add somebody like Rhodes as a secondary coach um, at UCLA. Now UCLA's defense was not great. I'm, I'm one of those folks. I tend to put that more on the defensive coordinator. And if you've listened to 12 pack radio, um, both, both Brian and I have 
talked at length about how not good their defensive coordinator is, Jerry Azanaro. Um and you know, like I, I, I do like if you like they if you watched much UCLA this year, I mean, for example, like the Washington State game, like they got torched. Um, by Washington State, as did a lot of teams, but I, I, I think they had Washington State had something on the order of 63 dropbacks on that game, and they only got pressure on Anthony Gordon six times. So, <laughs> um, it's hard. It's hard to play secondary under those conditions. Um, but Rhodes is a really experienced uh, defensive hand. Um, He's his numbers in beta rank of late aren't great. Uh, his last DC job was with Arkansas, and it was, I mean, they just fell off the map. That was the year that Brent Bielema got fired. Um, it's, I, I think there may have been something I have to go dive deeper into what happened on that Arkansas team. Um, but I don't know that I would say that's on roads. He was the head coach at Iowa State before that for seven years. Um, and he was. His Iowa State teams were pretty good, never quite great, uh, and they, they, uh, but they weren't. He never quite put it together on defense there either. But before that, he was the defensive coordinator at Auburn for one season, and he nailed it that season. Um, and before that, he was the uh, defensive coordinator at Pitt and had some really, really solid defenses there. So um, this is this is a very like, and and he's got a reputation as a very good recruiter. Um, in the state of Arizona, even so, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some negatives I would say, but given we were talking about um, Brady Hoke, <laughs> <laughs> when that broke, I'm like, oh no! Like, like, I know there were some people that were like, oh, like Brady Hoke, interesting. I'm like, oh my god, Brady Hoke single handedly got Mark Helfrich hired, fired, uh, <laughs> or. Uh, Peter Sermon, who's the defensive or the, the linebackers coach at Cal, who was a defensive coordinator and got fired at Mississippi State, then got hired at Louisville and basically got Bobby Petrino fired um, because that defense went absolutely in the tank. Yeah, I mean, like this is this is a better hire than either of those guys. Some of the names that were getting kicked around, and there were some names that were getting kicked around that had no coordinator experience. This is this this is a good hire, I feel like, and it, it's definitely an upgrade over over Marcelli Yates. Yeah, let me. There's two things here to add to that. The first is, I know a lot of people are saying like, well, what about Joe Salavea? Joe Salavea has not called plays, and there's likely a reason that he hasn't called plays. Like, think of all the places that he's been. He's an excellent recruiter, and as far as I can see, he's an excellent defensive line coach. But there are some people that like. Maybe Arizona would be a team that would try to take a flyer on that. But first thing is Oregon's paying him a crap ton of money to be a defensive line coach and a recruiter. Um, so could Arizona pony up the amount to get him to come over and, and make plays and call plays? Likely not. Maybe that would have been the case, but we're taking a risk on our end by bringing him on as a play caller. He would likely be taking a risk on his end with the coaching staff, which kind of leads me in the second portion, which is, you know, everything is important in context. This is a, a coach that is on the hot seat. There is not a ton of talent on the defensive front. Maybe there are, and we just haven't realized it yet. But at the end of the day, if you take a look at performance over the last number of years, um, there's not an elite talent base to come from. And you never know what's going to happen if you're not signed for a couple of years. The one thing I don't know, Rob, yet is the the length of his contract, the amount. Has that come out yet? No, it hasn't come out yet. And it, I would expect him. I mean, coordinators these days do get multi-year deals. If you're Paul Rhodes, you probably have asked for a, a decent buyout. And that's fair. I mean, that is 
totally fair. I mean, like you're coming into a position where Kevin, someone, you know, people do perceive him to be on the hot seat, but um, yeah, like if you're Paul Rhodes, you should ask for some, for a buyout and you got to move to Tucson for maybe a year. So a couple things to mention. So right when his name was dropped, I kind of went back and took a look at the Baderike numbers, which you can find at sharpcollegefootball.com and took a look at Paul Rhodes record in regards to his defenses, right? So this is, this is Baderike's numbers. It goes back to 2012. So he was the defensive coordinator at Arkansas in 2017, and that defense was 112th in the country. Not great. Not great. Not going to lie. Now, we'll get into the positives here, but I just want to r- run through the numbers here. And they were 70 the year before. I mean, it was not – I mean, he was on that staff the year before, and then they lost their D.C., and he got promoted to D.C. Um, like I said, like it just feels like there's more to it than just – I mean, I don't think like Paul Rhodes took over and like the defense just tanked, but um, – yeah, I mean, like it, that that Arkansas team like was not on anyone's radar because they were so bad, and I certainly didn't pay that much attention to them. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was at Arkansas for a year. Um, when he was head coach at Iowa State, like you mentioned, Rob, here that his numbers and beta rank in terms of their defense. So um, in 2015, Iowa State's defense was 75th in. Uh, in 2014, they were 103rd. In, the, in 2013, they were 56th. And in 2012, they were 45th. So you saw a little bit of a regression there coming from that. One of the things that was interesting for me is that, uh, you know, is, is a head coach different than the coordinator? Of course it is. But I would argue that Rhodes was hired on at Iowa State because of his track record at Pitt and then at Auburn, in which case in 20, uh, 2008, like you mentioned in Auburn. So their defense was ranked 18th according to S and P plus. And then at Pitt, he had the 19th top defense in 2007 and the 37th top defense in 2006 on a Pitt team, right? So it's kind of hard to get stuff going at Pitt. So that was a decent track record. He gets hired at Iowa state and you made a really good point on Twitter about how oftentimes the head coaches that are really good at one area tend to have an opportunity to shore up that area. That doesn't look like it was necessarily the case, at least at the end of his tenure at Iowa state rock. Yeah, they never really figured it out defensively with him there. And I I mean, I guess that's sort of, I mean, that is surprising. Um, I'm going to have to go back and look. I don't think he actually called plays there um, at Iowa State. But it is, you more often than not, you see coaches tend to, they tend, if they're successful somewhere, and he was successful enough to get retained at Iowa State for seven years. Um, they they tend to figure out one side of the ball. And it's usually the side of the ball they came from, and then they struggle on the other side of the ball. You have like the Mark Antonios, the Pat Fitzgeralds of the world, um, Sonny Dykes, Mike Leach. I mean, on the other side of the ball on offense, guys that are very good on one side of the ball, but often struggle to put together a decent product on the other side. Um, yeah, and it's and the, I mean, I guess the other side too is in 2017 when when Matt Campbell took over, like their defense got a lot better um, and jumped up to 16 and 22 and 26. When you see jumps like that, what you usually see is the effect of a different scheme and play caller coming yeah. in. Yes. Because um, like I mean, Iowa State did not suddenly like totally change out personnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is. That, I mean, that 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 does give you some pause. I mean, like, this is not, I mean, he's not coming in. Arizona is not hiring the guy that was sort of the hot guy at Auburn uh, or the hot guy at Pitt. They're getting the guy that, you know, got fired from Iowa State and, um, you know, then was part of, a sta- part of a staff overall that got fired at Arkansas. Uh, that said, you know, like, he's a really, like, he's a really re- well-respected defensive mind. He's got some play calling experience. Uh, and when he's called plays, he's been good at it. And that, 
that is a th- like when Arizona fans are just like that are rooting for some alumni that's never called plays before are just crazy. Like maybe you take that shot. Um, ASU is about to take a shot, take a take a total flyer flyer on a guy that's never called plays before to be their new defensive coordinator. Um, you it, it could work out. It might not. Um, but there's a big difference between understanding scheme, understanding how to teach uh, positions and and play calling. Um, and someone went out and got himself someone that has has you know some solid play calling experience. So I think I think that's a plus. And for for everyone sort of hoping for Joe Salavea, the point that I make on on, on him or I try to make is, I mean, I, he's he's not been given defensive coordinator responsibility for a reason, and he's been people have reached. I mean, people if you're if you're as good of a recruiter as Joe Salavea is, as respected as a, a position coach as he is. You know, like a, a a group of five school could easily take a shot on him to come in, be be their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, hopefully bump up their recruiting. No one's taking that chance. You know, and so there's there 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 are guys that end up like Ed Orgeron that just you know they they they're just not looked at as play callers, and that's not to say, that's not to say that they're not going to get a shot at a head coach. Like I think Joe Salavea is going to be a guy that gets a shot to go be a head coach before he gets to be a coordinator, you know, and maybe never checks off that coordinator box, and that's fine. Like you know, and I think that you know I think he has a chance to be a very good head coach, but like I mean Brady Hoke was a guy. I mean people. People don't realize this. The only time Brady Hoke ever called plays in his career was that one season at Oregon when he was god awful. Other than that, he pretty much went from straight from being a defensive line coach and he had some assistant head coach, you know, co-defensive coordinator titles, but he never called plays before that. He just went straight to being a head coach. Um, and it worked out for him for the most part as a head coach. I mean, he he hit gold when he went to be a head coach and he got Rocky Long for his DC, but don't put all your eggs in those baskets. You want you want somebody that has play calling experience. That's a that's a better bet to find yourself in um, if you're Arizona, and especially like I mean, as as where Arizona has been, like you need you need a steady hand. You need somebody that's got experience. Um, and Arizona found somebody with a ton of a, a ton of experience to come be on staff. Uh, and a guy that I like like I said when he was at a Chip Kelly staff, I thought, wow, like. I mean, Chip Kelly like is, has has put together a pretty good staff there at UCLA, and they he recruited. I mean, UCLA rec- signed four of the top recruits out of Arizona um, this year. I mean, so he he's done pretty well in recruiting. Rob, do you, do you know where Chip Kelly was seated or in when he realized that uh, Paul Rhodes was signing as a defensive coordinator at Arizona? Was he in the Vivid Seat studio? He was. He was in the Vivid Seat studio, which is where we're recording right now. Clothing optional. And if you haven't already downloaded the app, please make sure to do that. You can go on to your Android or uh, Apple phone, whatever it's called, <laughs> iPhone, uh, and, and make sure to download the app. I actually downloaded the app and used it to get my tickets to the Washington-Arizona game. And uh, if you are a first-time user and you're downloading the app, you will get up to $100 off your first purchase. So if you're kind of shopping around looking for some tickets for the holidays and have already kind of used other groups, you should try to check out Vivid Seats, download the app. They'll automatically enroll you in their rewards program, which is great, and a really easy app, super easy to use, and you can get a good deal on this ticket. So make sure to do that. Rob, when we're taking a look at Paul Rhodes, when, when it came out, my first initial reaction was, huh, like, okay, uh, 
you know, I, I'm, I, I think that I think there's some positives and negatives. And again, everything's important in context where it's probably really difficult to go out and get a defensive coordinator knowing you're on the hot seat. And one of the things that really drove me nuts, actually, we got a lot of responses to it was basically saying that if we had fired Yates at the beginning of this year, or at the end of last year, we're not in the position where we're looking around scrounging, trying to find somebody that uh, wasn't even a defensive coordinator. Like I was looking at the, the comments from Rose and he basically said, you know, um, I wasn't even really on the market, but I kind of, I wanted to get back into the game and be able to start calling plays again. And you know, I, I think for the situation that they're in, like you mentioned, Rob, uh, this is an interesting hire. I am, I don't think it's a home run. I was, I was actually yeah. really surprised by how many people like were immediately on board with, with it. Like, Oh yeah, this is great. He's going to be, you know, I yeah. do think he's a respected mind in the coaching circles. Like even the guys at the solid verbal have talked really highly of him in, in the past. And, but the recent track record gives me a little bit of pause, uh, just because yeah. we're, yes, he has been good in the past. And, but that was about 10 years ago when the numbers really showed his impact on a defense. And now here we are, we probably have a pretty good recruiter, somebody that's respected in the coaching community, but he's certainly like you mentioned is not, not the hotshot defensive coordinator. And we probably wouldn't have been able to get it anyway, but I was kind of hoping, you know, that maybe someone is able to pull a rabbit out of his hat. And, uh, but you know, We'll see. I, I don't know if this saves our season next year because <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a long, long, long road to climb. Well, I mean, so I will. I, I mean, I, I'm also with you. I mean, I don't think that any I, I think given the constraints, this is a very good hire. I, but like in the sort of grand scheme of things, you know, it's 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 a good hire. You know, it's definitely one that I think. I, I do like I mean, because there are Arizona fans also running around saying, like, why didn't we keep Chuck Cecil? And it's uh, like, yeah, I don't know why this isn't obvious to everyone, but like Chuck Cecil didn't want the job. He And if you didn't see him subtweet somewhere, you know, retweet or, you know, answer somebody's question on Twitter, like he said he didn't want the job. <laughs> he, he was out golfing because Chuck Cecil, it turns out, doesn't want to do the 24 seven grind of recruiting. Um, and. I mean, the like, like Arizona, but the flip side is you're right. Like there are some Arizona fans that I think are running out and saying like, oh, you know, he coached Darrell Revis and, and he did. I mean, that was a while ago, but he's, he's a guy that you'll, you'll, I mean, with particularly if, if they have him out recruiting, you like their chances to land some good talent. If you know, the staff can survive next year. Um, I absolutely like his, his chances to shore up the defense you know, like, cause the, with, with Yates, it was a, it was a disaster. I mean, the defense was terrible. I mean, Yates, Yates should have never been retained. <laughs> like if you want to talk about like, if Yates would have been fired, like if Yates would have never been retained by someone from the previous staff, you know, someone's in a, in a very different position. From yeah. I, yeah. But I, I want to push back a little on that because at the time in retrospect, right. Hindsight's 2020, but you had basically the entire locker room wanted him to be the head coach or a lot of, maybe not the entire locker room. I don't want to over-exaggerate, but a lot of those players were riding the, the Yates train. And then you also had the recruiting class to think of. And I thought it made sense to keep him for that year and then, and then let him go. I think the second year is the more inexplicable decision that he made. Um, because, oh, you know, at the I was t- the opposite. I thought it should have been fired then. But. <laughs> okay. Well, at the end of the day, here's your shot. The players will be fine. They'll forget it. They're like, you know, like when you're 20, you don't remember things. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. And like, I thought it was completely inappropriate for him to like basically be retweeting or allowing. I don't know if he was retweeting, but but allowing the team to advocate openly for him 
to be the coach. I mean, he could have nipped that in the bud immediately. I just thought that was super unprofessional. And, um, I, I was like, Oh, like, is, is this, yeah. is this what we're doing right now? Okay. Um, yeah, uh, we shall but see. The defense graded out terrible. I mean, the group we've talked about this, I yeah. mean, the defense, what, terrible. Where did, where did we finish this year? So there's, there will be some adjustment after the bulls, but right now Arizona's defense graded out in 2019 at number 87. And that's, I mean, basically where they finished out last year at number 86. So, I mean, and before that, I mean, Marcel Yates did show some improvement, I guess you could say. I mean, from his very first year where they were 127 out of 130, they, he made it all the way to 87. Um, but for for this team, I mean, the difference between if this defense was in the range of, you know, in the in the fifties, which is not a great power five defense, like Arizona's probably bowl eligible, right? Like if you, if you combine that with some better special teams play, which no guarantees, but if you did those things, like Arizona's bowl eligible next season, for sure. Like there's, cause there's a, there's a lot, there's a, there are some positives. There are a lot of positives when you think, when you look over at the offense side, offensive side of the ball, um, that said, like, there's there's a whole whole lot of recruiting that's got to be done on the defensive side of the ball still. I think they've, they've really got to hit the transfer in the JC market. Yeah. One of the things that I want to bring up, because you mentioned special teams, is the current retention of Jeremy Springer, which cool. I think is inexplicable. Uh, Arizona special teams was terrible last year, and it, it, like with a capital T and all caps with exclamation points at the beginning and the end, you know, like when you spell something in Spanish, that's how bad it was. Um, yeah. And it drove me nuts that he is still like, look. I understand he's got a family, you know, you don't want to openly advocate for people who lose their jobs, but it was so, so bad. And the fact that he is still named as the special teams coach, I think shows a, a complete lack of seriousness um, from Kevin Sumlin. And maybe he is good at recruiting, but, but you can't find somebody else to come and recruit that has a much better track record at coaching. I mean, it, I, help me out, Rob, what's the deal here? I, I keep coming back to a Springer that I think that they really like his recruiting. I, I mean, that's the best. That's the, that is quite truly the the best I can come up with because he's been he's been he's been exceptionally bad at special teams. I don't. I, I mean, like, and I we talk about the special teams are more than just specialists. Like everyone focuses on the bad punting. That's certainly true. The the kicking's been okay, not great, but it's also about blocking and tackling, and they haven't been great at that. And I I think Arizona, I don't know, with Springer. It's frustrating, too, because, I mean, Drake Dabney, who was Arizona's top recruit sort of heading into signing day, he was one of Springer's Springer. You know, Springer was his primary recruiter and he ends up flipping to Baylor. And it just it just sort of leaves you with like, man, like you couldn't close the deal with, I mean, a position that we need to upgrade the talent at. And you are also a bad position coach. Well, you take a look at recruiting and, and, you know, and again, we're kind of projecting this, you know, why that would in my mind too, it'd be the only reason why you keep them. But Arizona had the number 69th uh, recruiting class in the country. And I'll, as nice as that is, Rob, it's still quite bad. Number 11 in the pac 12. So yeah. you just kind of go and, and think like what, again, it comes back to is, is this, is this coaches, Kevin Sumlin serious about being at Arizona and building a real program and building a coaching staff that reflects that. And I, well, I, just, I mean, the, 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 what you maybe should ask though is like, is Arizona serious about football? Shut up, Rob. Like, 
<laughs> no, I mean, no. seriously, like, I mean, because everyone wants to blame Kevin someone, but like, should Jeremy, I mean, is Jeremy Springer, does he have a job because of Arizona staff budget? Right? I mean, yeah, you got to think, though, like a special teams coach, what is that, 125K or something? And yeah, it's probably like 250, but like, if you're paying somebody, if you want a decent recruiter, I don't know. I just think the fact that we're not recruiting well anyway. Um, and at some point it gets to the chicken and the egg, right? I get, and I guess we can talk about, I, I don't want to get into position coaches cause I'm not that good at talking about like who would be a great position coach. The only thing I know is that Oregon's offensive line coach was really good. And Oregon's defensive line coach was really good. And they're both at Cal for a while, which is why that, uh, uh, that program is doing fairly well. Um, but outside of that, I'm not really great at, you know, who's, who's the position coach that we need for linebacker and all that. Um, I just said that special teams is such a mess and it was kind of a bummer, um, to see that there, at least for now has been no change on, on, uh, you know, maybe they move somebody over into that position and move Springer somebody else. But like if Springer can't get special teams, right? Like what's to say that he's going to get something else right either. I don't know. Am I being too I mean, negative are- on that front? No, no. I mean, but there are coaches that you have on your staff because they are great recruiters. I mean, there are, right? Like, I mean, uh, and some, some of them are also very good position coaches. Some of them are not. You know, like there's usually – you usually try to – at a program like Arizona, you often have to try to balance out on your staff sort of what you got. You know, Springer was on there. He's a young guy. You know, he was on – he was a, a, an analyst uh, at A&M under someone – you know, you could maybe, and I, I mean, I got some push, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. People, people misread what you put on Twitter all the time, but the, uh, I mean, if, you, if they, if they are determined to keep Springer, he at least played linebacker in college. Like you could move him over to linebacker and move somebody else over there. I just, I, I, I mean, if, if you if I was making the call, he'd be fired, right? Like he's, he doesn't seem to be making a huge dent in recruiting. Um, and he's, you know, he's a huge liability in what you've got him coaching right now. And I, that, I think you have to make a change on that said, I mean, the others, and I, and I do want to like it, the recruiting services are very good at telling four stars from three stars and five stars from four stars, but they are less good at telling three stars from other three stars. Like those, a lot of the guys that like that part of like, you have to, trust your coaching staff to identify because in reality, Kevin, someone's not recruiting very different from where Rich Rodriguez was in a lot of cases. Like, however, if I look across the talent that sits on the roster now, like I like the talent that someone has brought in more than I like the talent that Rodriguez brought in. So it does get a little more into like, do you trust the coaches to identify the right guys to come in? Are they bringing in size, for instance? And that's something that someone's definitely brought in a lot more of than Rodriguez did. That I mean, that said, like 69th and, you know, that far down the Pac-12 is absolutely where not where you want to be. They, they're only about halfway done with this class. I don't expect them to fill up this class with a bunch of four or five star, you know, recruits. You know, Jalen Harris is a guy that's still out on the radar that, you know, that you really hope that they are able to go out and get. Like, that would be a big one. But there are also guys that, I mean, yes, you can say USC has been bad at recruiting, but I mean, when Rich Rodriguez was recruiting, almost, I mean, Khalil Tate was like the only guy that had a USC offer. I mean, someone. You know, like last year, Jordan Morgan was a guy that USC really wanted. This year, Regan Terry was a guy that USC really wanted that Arizona got. It's not bad. It's not a bad place to be. I suppose. Like, I mean, I just Arizona is going to have to develop talent. 
you know, they had two under Mike Stoops. They didn't under Rich Rodriguez. Thus far, they've sort of underperformed in it with with Kevin Sumlin, I think. I don't know. I mean, do you? Th- I mean, do you think though? Like, because I, I guess when I look across the Pac-12, I don't, I don't know that. And it's an open question. Like, this is a serious question. Other than Oregon, which has Phil Knight, sugar daddy money, right? Like, and USC, which has you know just is USC, um, and has a lot of donors. When you look across the Pac-12, I mean, UCLA got Chip Kelly cheap because Chip Kelly was is getting paid by the Niners. Arizona, Arizona got Kevin Sumlin. Like his his contract has escalations in it, but Kevin Sumlin was paid next to nothing for the first two years of his contract by head coach standards. Um, and his staff, I mean, doesn't Arizona doesn't have a huge staff budget? If you're, I, I guess when I look around, like I don't, I mean, I don't know that the Pac-12 right now has the resources to necessarily compete against the SECs of the world for staff budgets and things like that. That said, like. It, it makes it more imperative that you have the right coaches at the right price then, but it makes it harder to find. Like it makes it like Paul Rhodes, like going out and getting Paul Rhodes is, you know, not a bad, not a bad find given your, given what your staff budget is. Yeah. And I, I want to get into some of these recruits here, but before we do, I want to make sure that we talk to everybody about our last sponsor, which is uh, CBS sports HQ, which I'm really excited about. So it's the streaming sports network live 24 seven costs you nothing. It's right. Nothing. Uh, it's sports coverage and that's always on, always free. And I love listening to Gary Parish and Matt Norlander on college basketball. I know some Arizona fans don't uh, because I think we're more on uh, in their camp on um, possible <laughs> hanging over the basketball program. Um, but they they really do provide excellent breakdowns um, from all across the country. And they're on Sports Q, uh, CBS Sports HQ. It's always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the 12 pack radio podcast which we also do, Rob, with Max Meyer. Um, our hearts are always focused on gambling, and they do a lot of gambling coverage, gambling advice on that front. So all you need to do is download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, any other connected device. Uh, device you don't need to sign up you just download it and watch it for free so no fake debates just sports real sports fans at the great price of completely free and no login download the cbs sports app and watch cbs sports hq today and i'm wondering if rob they're talking about arizona's recruiting class on the cbs sports hq app what do you think no (laughs) I mean, maybe I don't know. Like CBS is, they're like it's it's a little bit of a labyrinth in there. Sometimes they're like, oh wait, like there's this other content that I didn't know they had. Well, now you know. There we go. Um, yeah, taking a look at this class, we have um, again Arizona. Depending on what what area you're looking at, either ranks 70th or 69th. Uh, definitely 11th in the Pac-12 across board scout and um, whatever the other one. What's the was it scout and rivals 24 seven yeah, 24 seven arrivals um a couple of the names that, to mention like you said rob uh reagan terry who is a defensive end that we definitely needed coming out of arizona too which is nice to be able to kind of build a little fence around him and push off usc as they made a push at the end of the by the way I, talking about like just totally eating the dust during the recruiting <laughs> year can we just talk about usc for one moment my god i think they're 12 oh i think we, i think we out recruited usc so we did it rob we finally made it yeah i mean so like i use um 
to tell like just to, like the the average class star rating like USC is ahead of Arizona and that's the one that's actually more predictive of performance but by the way that the you know the recruiting services you know hand out ratings yes Arizona finished ahead of USC so congrats i mean so did everyone else in the Pac12 which is amazing yeah i was noticing i was looking at the rankings and what they'll do is if you sign just a buttload of people, they'll usually raise your ranking if they're all like, you know, three stars doesn't matter where they are. So, I mean, yeah. I think the number of, of players that you're able to get does matter, but at least in these rankings, not not actually in real life. Uh, but taking a look at uh, Reagan Terry, so he had offers from a ton of people, Arizona State, Cal, uh, Kansas State, Utah, Oregon, UCLA were also people that, up. Oh, just kidding, not Oregon or UCLA. <laughs> he wanted to go there. Uh, but Utah, USC, Cal, um, these are some pretty good defensive teams. Nebraska also is in there. Um, I think he's kind of the jewel of the class at this point, which, I mean, you know, as a, a high-ish three-star I think speaks more about the class itself than, um, and then Terry himself. But I mean, it's nice to get some more boost there on the defensive line, particularly because our defensive ends weren't as good as we thought they were going to come into this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, I mean, he's a good get for Arizona. He's, you know, getting a local product. He's definitely coming in at an area of need. Um, now that's not to say like it's, it's often, although I, that said like Jordan Morgan, Donovan lay came in and played right away. Um, he's probably got to add a little bit of size, you know, he's, he's only at two thirty to, to be effective, but I, there's a, there's a lot to like here. You look, you look at that offer list and that's a, that's a solid offer list for Arizona to beat out. But I like, I mean, Jalen John, I think is an interesting name too on there. You know, he's Arizona's highest ranked recruit, depending on where you're looking. Um, and a guy that DeMarco Murray really likes, but I, I mean, I think the I think this staff has done an excellent job in identifying and recruiting and developing running backs, um, and I I'm excited to see Jalen John. Now that said, like with we may not see much of him this coming year, but um, you know with the the redshirt rule where he can play in four games, like I'm excited for what we might get to see out of him. Yeah, the key is you know, and look, uh, and you should do your thing about the why stars matter and all that stuff. Cause I think oftentimes, particularly at Arizona, everybody points to Scooby, right? Right. Oh, well, yeah. you know, you gotta get Scooby, right. And it doesn't matter how many stars you have. Everybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it matters. Like, I think it's a numbers game to some extent. And obviously the, a lot of these commits are, um, that are rated four and five stars are rated for a reason. There's people that watch these guys. Now, can we miss on people? Yes. Like Louise Holmes, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's really good to have, uh, the stars because they, they actually matter and it's up to the coaching staff to coach them up. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say it's absolutely true. Like stars do matter. Um, they're correlated with performance. They're particularly correlated on defense. Um, so if you like, and, and that should make sense. I mean, like in, in, on defense, it is a lot about reacting uh, to what is going on. So, you know, being more highly rated as an athlete or being more highly rated at your position matters more there. Offense, you can, you can get a little bit more away with just having like the Mike Leach type thing where you recruit a bunch of, you know, three stars and then roll out an excellent offense um, because the scheme, often matters more there that said a lot of the numbers that you will see thrown around about how predictive recruiting is uh i will also say they're a little high um so development and scheme still do matter a lot and i don't think from a measurement perspective that we do as much as we should there so yeah but i would also say like the one of the things and this is true like and i i hit on this a little bit like the the difference like this the the error 
if you will, the sort of uh, confidence interval, if you want to think about it in a purely statistical sense, around these players is higher around three stars and two stars because these, these guys haven't got a lot of evaluation, right? So, like, more often than not, the recruiting services are right. That said, like, there's there's sort of a bigger, like, fuzzy, you know, the, there's a bigger fuzziness around, like, players that are coming in, like, the in, in Arizona's class, for instance, because a lot of these guys, you know, they may get, you know, one or two evaluations throughout the, you know, and you'll often see the recruiting services, like, if a guy gets an offer from a big program, like, they'll often without reevaluating him themselves, they will just automatically bump him up because they will trust the evaluation of a major program um, in doing that. So that it should tell you something sort of like about sort of what you're seeing there. Um, but what the, where the recruiting services like nail it down, don't miss. They don't miss on five stars. They don't miss on four stars. And they mostly don't miss on three stars. It's just like how these guys are going to fit into your system and your schemes still matter. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like don't, do not absolutely like do not go around telling me that stars don't matter because they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking a look at a couple players here, and I think the biggest difference between last year's recruiting class and this year's just on paper. Look, I'm not a recruiting, recruiting expert, but I do like to take a look again at the offers that some of these teams um, give to different players. And I think the most glaring thing right now that stands out for me is last year there were a number of players that had a lot of high major offers. Yeah. Whether, whether it was um, a couple people from USC, but also from like that next that tier above Arizona that still offered and they still chose to go to Arizona. That is not the case this year. Uh, you know, like I think Majon Wright would be the other person or in addition to uh, Reagan Terry, where he had offers from Kansas State, Tennessee and Syracuse, which are kind of like the highest offers he had. And then everybody else, it's like Arizona and Oregon State and a bunch of mid-major programs. So the pedigree isn't there with this class again will the coaching staff build them up we'll find out but certainly this is a step down i think at least for right now compared to the full class of last year and yes we still have some time but at the uh, one thing i also want to add is most of these players have committed right like i would assume what a quarter of the uh, remaining uh, uh, an initial like the pool of recruits about a quarter it remains it's not it's not a big pool out there right now no, that's true. I mean, Arizona's going to have to go out and sign a bunch of bodies um, in this. And I mean, I, I hope someone doesn't just take guys to take guys, right? Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's more. And I mean, even more than before, there are, you know, guys out on the transfer market. Arizona hasn't done a lot out on the transfer market beyond someone's first year. So, the, I mean, I, I certainly hope that they sign an offensive line transfer and at least one defensive line transfer that would be eligible immediately. Uh, they all, Arizona still has a bunch of Juco offers out. Not all of those guys have signed yet. Um, you do hope that they, if they close those, they close them soon because a lot of those guys are eligible to come in and play, you know, or, and, and go through your spring and enroll. Um, well, we have no defensive line coach right now. So, I mean, it's really hard to commit to a program if you don't know who your coach is going to be. No, and that's like when people were saying they were interviewing Brady Hoke, I was like, for a defensive line coach? Like, I hope. Like, and I, I, I still hope that that's the case. Like, I mean, Brady Hoke would actually be a solid defensive line coach hire. Like, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, so I mean, there, and like, if they're going to have, and it sounds like if you're going to have, so I would say this, like, I expect them to move quickly on those other ones because they were talking about Rhodes today coaching linebackers. 
um, on the defense. And they were saying that wasn't set yet, but his specialty is coaching the secondary. So it seems like they have, they probably have somebody already in mind um, for that secondary coach. And I would, I would expect those jobs to get filled pretty quick. Um, Cause they do know they have to really turn it around and go out and, and, and uh, hit, hit recruiting hard in this, this second part. But they're also like, well, it's easy for to, to say like, Oh yeah, like there's, um, you know, most of the classes have signed it also is true that most, a lot of the, a lot of these classes are full, you know, or close to full for a lot of programs and they're not going to be out there looking for, um, you know, and taking additional players. So it's, it's, there's, there's still some, there's still some hay to be made out there. It's not going to be the end of the, it's not going to be the end. I mean, Arizona got Tavon Cunningham extremely late and he was pretty good in a small sample last year. I just, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I do think that there were fewer, I think when you look through the offers on some of these guys, there are fewer sort of big name offers out there. The class lot lacks the sort of top end talent that we had last year with Booby Curry um, and uh, uh, Bobby Wolf. But I also like, I, I like Dion Wilson. Like, I think, Deion Wilson's a guy that could come in and with the right development could be a solid defensive tackle. Will Plummer can really sling it around. Uh, and Phoenix has been producing some very good quarterbacks of late. So yeah, there's, there's some to like there, but as you start to go down, like Josh Baker is a guy that um, was being recruited by Kyle Devan at his prior job, which was ball state. I believe Baker just uh, apparently like Devan really believes in him. So like, Offensive line is hard to project <laughs> of all of the of all of the positions that the recruiting services miss on the most often, like it's the offensive line. So you sort of have to trust your offensive line coach. So with Baker and Woody Jean, like if if Devan knows his stuff, he's going to develop him into good players. And uh, I would like most of their work they still have to do. They probably the depth that they were left by Rodriguez on both lines was just horrible. And they they still have some work to do to get out there, and it, it is it's one of the more frustrating things. And I like I was extremely frustrated that they had not signed a coordinator and that they had not signed a defensive line coach because uh, before signing day, because I really just I felt like it was uh, I felt like given where the the lines were, it was they were just you know letting opportunities slide through their fingers. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Anything else? I, mean, I guess I, I'm taking a look at some of the commits here for you know, the rankings for the Pac-12. So, you know, you have your normal at top with Washington, Oregon. One thing that was interesting is Stanford ended up signing four four-star, or I'm sorry, seven four-star players, which with the... <laughs> With the exodus of talent from yeah. that program recently and with that coaching staff, I mean, you want to say Arizona's a mess. I think we're more of a mess than all the other teams in the Pac-12, but Stanford, certainly, I would put that in that category. Um, Utah was looking pretty rough, and at the very last minute, they ended up signing three four-star players and a couple high three-star guys. So I thought that was interesting. And then I just want to mention, so ASU, you take a look at two two programs, right? Two houses. Yeah, and ASU was able to bring in five four-star players and some really solid three-star talent, and it, it just seems like, you know, I'm curious to see how their promotion of their defensive coordinator works, promoting from inside in the secondary where the secondary wasn't very good. Um, that will be an interesting thing, but it seems like Herm has 
I'd say like 65% of that program in a good direction. And then you turn around and the other 35% is like that gif of the guy with the pizza that walks into the house that's on fire. <laughs> like it kind of seems a little bit of that feeling going on. But for the most part, it, it's kind of a bummer because if you were to have um, said, and a lot of people said that, you know, Herm was going to, or I'm sorry, if if you were to have told me that Herm was going to do better than, than um, someone and not only recruiting, but on the field as well, I would have kind of laughed at you. And that's not the case right now. ASU seems to uh, be putting together a program that's going to be respectful respectful in the Pac-12. And it's, uh, it remains to be seen if that's going to be the case in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, I I think Herm in particular, he's done, he's done some smart things around recruiting. They hired that Oregon analyst and flipped that four-star recruit, that wide receiver recruit from Oregon on signing day. And I, like you're right, Utah closed pretty well. I mean, I guess the 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 main takeaway, and this is like I, I rag on the if you listen to Twelve Pack Radio, we have been like more cheerful about the Pac-12. But this was a this was a really bad signing day for the Pac-12, like as a whole, as a whole. I mean, like so Washington and Oregon topped out the class or topped out the Pac-12 um, for recruiting classes. Um, they. Neither of them finished even in the top 10 nationally. Washington finished at 14. Oregon was at 18. That's not good. That's not, that's not good for the conference for that to be there. And the, the, one of the things that you see, I mean, USC signed a couple guys out of Arizona that were guys that really are guys that if you were Arizona or ASU, you would have liked to have gotten, you know, cause they're, they're really more like your type of guys. The same thing was true of UCLA. And part of the problem is like UCLA and 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 USC just stunk it up in recruiting. And I felt like the some of the there were some sort of knockdown effects of like they're taking guys they wouldn't normally take. And it's they're sort of like knockdown effects into the some of the Arizona schools and some of the other schools. I mean, I I was impressed that Stanford managed to kind of close pretty well. But listen, if Arizona gets up to having like if they're able to get the class above 20 commits, I mean, Cal sitting at number six in the conference right now with t- 25 commits. I mean, the max um, 24 of, the, of those are three stars. You know, and they're just barely ahead of Arizona in the average ranking. I mean, Arizona is going to be I think they're going to be able to climb in there. And if Arizona is able to land some graduate transfers, those guys are not going to count towards the recruiting class ranking. But you should think of them that way. So, I mean, it's it's it is a bad class for Arizona right now, for sure. But like the the Pac-12 as a whole, like there's there's plenty of room to play catch up, and and Arizona certainly has the spots available. I'm interested. I mean, because Arizona State only signed 15, they still have they still have some room. I think some headroom available in their class to sign some more folks too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with that, and if they are sort of really able to, you know, the, I mean they. I'm impressed. I mean, you're right. Like they, and, and it's like when they, they got Antonio Pierce, like Pierce brought those two four-star linebackers over right away. Herm is not afraid to hire somebody with the quid pro quo. Of like you bring, <laughs> you bring me, you bring me a four-star, you got a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, let's leave that here. Um, wanted just to make sure to cover the coordinator stuff and uh, maybe we'll do some more recording when we hire on the defensive line coach and see what happens, whether or not uh, Rhodes goes to the linebacker coach and hires a secondary coach and all that stuff because coaching matters it's really important and we'll try to do our due diligence on that front in the meantime if you share this podcast and if you share the the additional podcast from 
I always keep wanting to say Ronnie. Ronnie will be back next year, uh, taking some take some time to take care of business. Um, but if if you share the uh, Brett and Adam podcast, we will enter you into our bull pool uh, po- contest where you can win a Vivid Seats gift certificate. So definitely do that. Um, thanks everybody for joining us, and stay tuned for the Saul Bookman Show and for more Pac-12 content and Arizona content. Uh, and listen to the 12-pack radio. What are you doing? Like, do that. Okay, bye.